Welcome to the Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hialeah Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the jockey club. Welcome back to the Jockey Club. My name is Dan Delgado, and we are up to episode 12, which means we are discussing the 12th scene of Let It Ride. And really, it's the 12th scene according to me. This is the scene, right, where Trotter has what I would consider a very unusual exchange at the hamburger stand at the track. And back again with me to discuss this scene is James David Patrick. James is not just a huge fan of Let It Ride, which he is, but he is also the host of the Cinema Shame podcast and the writer of the official Netflix DVD block. And if you're playing along at home, this is going to be from minute 3205 to 3304. So basically, we're looking at one quick minute from the movie today. Now, let's head on up to my usual table at the Jockey Club to discuss the 12th scene from Let It Ride. This is definitely a scene within the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's a good way of putting it. It's a scene within the movie. Yes, yes, yes. It's It's almost a scene that you could lift out of the movie. Oh, my God. You absolutely could. Yeah. If you were looking to, all right, you know what? 80, whatever, 86 minutes, too much. We need another minute. This is is probably where you're going to lop it out right here. It's It's an unusual thing, this scene. Like, tonally, visually, the whole thing almost feels like something that a producer would go to, like you said, and this this right here doesn't... What is this? What is this scene telling me? I'll tell you what. It almost feels as though there was something else that was supposed to go with this scene. As though we were supposed to see this character, the waitress or whatever she you want to call her, Quinella. Quinella. Quinella what a name! Hogan. What, what a name, Quinella. She works well. I guess it was I just want fate. the background of the name. Like, <laughs> yes. so you wrote this, right? Yes. Where does Quinella Hogan come from? Like, I've brainstormed some wild names for some of the stories I've written, but Quinella is next level. I mean, I, if you ask me, it, she was fated to work at the track. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and also, this is, you know, you, you bring in uh, Mary Waranoff. I never know if I say her name right. Is that, do you think that's right? Waranoff? I, you know, I, I would run it together. Warnov. Warnoff. I've I, oh. I kind of condensed that a little bit. I Warnoff. like That actually sounds better, too. Warnoff. Yeah. All right. We're going with that, by the way. That's a, put that down. That's official. Uh, so, you. You would think, though, that based on this scene that she's coming back. I mean, you get her one quick time when he's running through the track, uh, you know, evading the cops or whatever. But that's it. And, and the way this scene is sort of constructed and the way that she sort of presents herself as, I don't know, like you don't know what's going on with her for a second. 
it, it felt it, it feels as though oh there was another scene that would sort of I don't know maybe bookend this one or maybe she was supposed to pop up a couple of times I don't know. <laughs> it feels like you cast someone like Mary Warren of that. that there's right. something more to that. And no, she's not an A-lister. So that, you know, somebody's going, oh, who the hell is that? We can't, we can't bring it back. Because, I mean, the whole cast is full of actors and actresses that, that have made a living out of their supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Mary Warnall is a little bit of an interesting character to even include in the movie. I mean, we're not talking about the size of the role or... Uh, the size of her career at this point in time, because the her counterculture period had kind of dimmed by this point. I'm not for sure. Know, I I certainly didn't know who she was in 1989. Oh no, me neither. Absolutely not. This she, is the first time I'd ever seen her. I'm I'm sure. Many times later, I go, "That's the weird burger lady from Let It Ride." <laughs> And then eventually, you know, you get back to eating Raul and Death Race, and you're like, oh, yeah, right, exactly. Deal. And then you learn, I mean, we could do a whole episode on on Mary Warnov's career. I mean, she started with Andy Warhol and was kind of the darling of the the factory for a while. She was in a bunch of his shorts and um, she made a name for herself as um, Hannah Hannah and, and. Chelsea Girls is her her big breakout. She's also a go-go dancer in the Velvet Underground movie that Andy Warhol was involved in. So she was, I mean, sort of a counterculture icon towards the late 60s. Mm -hmm. And here she is, 1989, is the Diner Lady and Let It Ride. But if you follow her career as it evolved, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. She's playing something sort of subversive, maybe, maybe subversive. I don't know exactly what's, you know, I'd like to have a firmer handle on, on what was in mind with this, with this scene really yeah, right to say why casting. I struggle here because again, who's in, whose decision Joe Pitka, does was he involved? Like, is this strictly casting? Like, it seems strange for Mary Warnoff to like to have a casting call for this movie. So, I would love backstory for this scene, for this casting decision. I mean, that's the real. That's the thing that really interests me about this is her involvement. Yes, absolutely. Because it, it yeah, it just seems so odd, and also to have it in such a small part. And it's not as though it's some sort of uncredited cameo. It, it doesn't really, I mean, this doesn't really fit in with the other things that you would know her from, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's way more mainstream of a comedy, if, if it is, if you would consider it mainstream. But it's certainly more mainstream than everything else that you kind of associate her with. So, yeah, her presence here is definitely a little odd. And I don't know, did, was she just around? Did she just need some money for, for a, a day's work? Like, I, I'm with you. It just, it's a, there's something that's a little odd about her presence there. I mean, it's not like she wasn't. I mean, she worked consistently throughout Absolutely. the Absolutely, sure. And she was involved in a lot of these Hollywood productions. I mean, she wasn't, I mean, she was in Dick Tracy for a hot minute. Right before this, she had done scenes from The Class Struggle in Beverly Hills, which not a big movie in any way. It is notable. I mean, it's a it's a decent film. 
again, she's not lead. She's she's behind Ray Sharkey and Jacqueline Bassett, but she's supporting a further back. She's again, she's pops up in Warlock. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. right. She sure does. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Black oh my god. Widow in eighty seven. She which is another I mean it's a, another Hollywood production, not oh yeah, yeah, big yeah. one. But it's a decent decent movie. Um uh, then, it, it is. Um, a movie I, I saw with my mother. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about that. Yeah. yeah. Don't know about that. That's, a, that's an uncomfortable <laughs> That's it. See? You're getting it. Okay. That's all. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we should probably discuss what the scene actually is. So this is where the scene is maybe 60 seconds, maybe. Trotter walks in to this burger stand that's at the track. He orders a burger. And immediately, right, Quinella asks, why do you like this faith healer? Now, she's not facing him when she asks. Let's, they- let's rewind for just three seconds. Do right? it. So there's a weird moment that happens right when this scene starts. Okay. okay? Yeah. He... He walks into frame. The right. odds are up on the monitor in the foreground on a column, and we see the horses and the odds. Okay. And you hear from somewhere. It, it doesn't look like it's coming from her. You don't know where the source of it is, but someone says, why do you like this faith healer? And he's like, for who? You talking to me? And he has this moment where there's no idea. Is that a voice from the ether? Where is this coming from? Because she's turned away. She is. She's got her back to him when when you hear that voice. Right. And then he approaches the counter. He has this moment of confusion looking around. Then he approaches the counter. And she says, I hear you're hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knows that somehow everyone under the sun, everyone right. at the track, everyone in Marty's, they all know that he's won that first race. And this is a perfect example He's rolling up on this burger stand, and she's already aware of it. And then she asks him directly, why do you like this faith healer? Like, the previous moment didn't happen. Right. If she did say it, if she didn't say it. <laughs> she okay. didn't hear it if she, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if someone else said it, because she's asking the question again to him directly. Well, she didn't get an now, answer. The voice did not right, get an it, answer. The, vo- the voice. Right. And this could be cleared up a little bit like if we were in some way supposed to know that she said it and she's repeating it because he didn't answer but he's confused Mm -hmm. we're confused and I'm not really sure what the intention I'm not sure how we're supposed to receive this (laughs) this moment (laughs) I've always been confused by these the six second segment of this scene all right but the real thing is where he he responds and says, "How do you know that I like Faith Healer?" Right. Which, by the way, if, if, for those of you not paying attention at home, Faith Healer is the next horse that uh, Trotter is going to bet on. Mm-hmm. So, how do you know? And and this is where she turns into I don't know a mystical being. She turns around. We're getting the chimes. It's sounding like something supernatural is happening. And then she says to him, "His fortune cookie." She says you might be walking around lucky and not even know it. With right with the fate jingles. With to, exactly with the fate jingles. Exactly. Times the fate jingles, whatever you want to do, the the symbolic 
sound that happens when fate has intervened in his day. That's right. The, when, whenever the spiritual compulsion... Uh, right. That's yes. your phrase. Trademark. Your, fra- your phrase. Compulsion. The spiritual compulsion well, arises. Well, not mine. The guy behind me at the coffee shop kept saying. But, well, I but we don't know that trademarked guy. Trademarked so. it. We okay. don't know him. He's not listening to this. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway. So, that's when that moment happens, right? And she not only knows that he likes Faith Healer, she also says this phrase that's been rattling around in his head since he saw the fortune cookie at the very beginning of the film. So what do we make of this? Is this something that is actually happening or is this something that's happening in Trotter's head? Is he just sort of in tune with some other force that's out there? I have to believe Yes. Just based on the performance value of the way that she delivers that line. Right. It's got to be beyond just his brain at this, at this <laughs> point. She delivers this line so curiously. Yeah. Uh-huh. With That's her right. outstretched hand. It's almost like the pull the strings moment from Ed Wood. She's like controlling him somehow. <laughs> it, it's such an odd little performance tick that she's got here and it's wonderful i don't want to say odd and it's like that doesn't belong here because i think we've gotten to the point where these little eccentricities you know they built they gather right and i think this is why it's not just in his head it's not this he's not seeing this he's not seeing it because he wants to see it he wants to gamble i mean the i think the movie mm-hmm. is suggesting that there is something slightly supernatural happening today. I mean, if if anything is suggested, it's this scene. It's this scene. Because it makes no sense that, A, she would know the name of the horse he wants to bet on, and B, because he hasn't sold anyone, he hasn't even made the bet yet, and and B, that she's going to quote the fortune cookie to him. Like... And if you think about everything else that she says in the scene, right? She attempts to overcharge him for a hamburger, right? Because he's got money today, so she's going to attempt to overcharge him. Yes, and then yes. there's the the great aside. It's, it's a great trotterism or Dreyfusism, where he just spews the burger on the floor. This <laughs> After- hyperbolic reaction of taking <laughs> one quick bite of the burger, and she's, I just work here. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and then we have. Remember, the, uh- I just work here. <laughs> and then the other degenerate who, hey, you finished with that? Knock yourself out, pal. Knock yourself out, pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's like, great. it's still kind of caught in his day. Hey, knock yourself out, pal. Yeah, so... Everything else that's in this scene sort of feels like what you would see from the characters you expect in this movie so far, right? Like this, like the the guy who who's going to eat the burger off the floor and mm-hmm. Quinella. They, you could see them at Marty's bar. Like these are characters that you could see there. But because of this other thing that's happening in this scene, that's what makes it something else. Yeah, and it really stands out. I'm talking about a quick scene; could have been removed. I, I say that because oddities like that often get pulled from movies because they confuse people. And if you're like, we're receptive to that sort of thing, which is why we adore this movie in the first place. I think there, there, there's a way this movie speaks to us because of these eccentricities, but you don't see things like this, make it through the Hollywood system generally there's a polish and the eighties were really good for 
for having producers that were so coked out they didn't notice stuff like this. <laughs> and they kind of let the filmmakers run with it. So the filmmakers and the artists yeah. always, you know, they want to have that personality in the movie. But you, you fast forward 20 years and things are kind of scrubbed clean from stuff like this. And all right, so are we are we going to apply a theory here that somebody was just not paying attention and then that's why the scene is still in there? Or, I mean, is it possible they just didn't know what to make of the scene? They were just like, eh, whatever. I mean, it, it, we know the movie was, was shifted from its release date, right? And we know, like, maybe there's a point where the caring side of Paramount is just not there anymore. So it's just like... Whatever with your horse racing movie. It's going to tank anyway. Whatever. Whatever this cut is, this is what we're keeping. We're not going back and doing anything again. We had you reshoot some scenes, and this is the best hey, you've given us. That's the question. It's like this they is the did best. Reshoot. Fine. Fine. They did, they did reshoots. There was, there was oversight. Like somebody at Paramount. Yes. Out there. I mean, I wish we had more of these stories available to us. Like more successful movies probably have these stories documented somewhere. We don't have the benefit of books about Let It Ride or interviews and, and all these other retrospectives. We have a bunch of conjecture, a few interviews earlier on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and the, the bloviated commentary by Joe Pitka. So what, I, what do I think? I, I, I honestly don't know. The, we made some good decisions about reshoots and rearranging scenes. and Right and excising ideas and maybe this just fit i look at it as an extension of some of the things i love about the movie oh you know what for me it's absolutely something i love about the movie and this was something that i remember when i'm watching and i'm like wait a minute what's happening here right you're kind of just like i don't understand Wait, is this not just a straight-up movie? Is there something you know? Because you've been you've been getting the hints with the with the fateful chimes, with the spiritual compulsion going on. You know, but like, hearing like his this, his thoughts it, out loud, like this is this is all kind of part of it. And, and yeah, right, but this is like so in your face. Well, it's it's almost yeah. like he's he's having a vision. Is what's happening here, right? He's having a weird vision. The way it's shot, into, the way it's framed. Yes! Everything about this clip of her saying you might be lucky or unlucky and not even know it stops the movie. Like it, it's like <laughs> yes. it, paw, it hits pause for a second. And yes. we, like our protagonist, are like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And what are you doing? What is happening here? And so, yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling that either they must have liked this scene and maybe they maybe they knew what the movie was and were like yeah this is this fits in perfectly or maybe they were like oh, all right look you've already reshot it this is the best you're gonna do all right all right let's, let's it's not it's not change this from september right like like i said you could remove this and the movie would progress without batting an eye so there's a reason it was kept there is a reason it was kept. It was in there. Maybe it was because we had Mary Warnov on it, and it was like, that's something we can put on, like, as an attraction. Like, somebody out there would go see this movie because of Mary Warnov. Like, it, it's... Well, I mean, no one saw this movie anyway, so... 
I don't really think it helped to be Uh-oh. honest that, you know, I'm she's using like, like, and like I, a lot because I'm trying to dig into something I understand. that's not quite there. That's it's called grasping at straws, James. That's yes. Right. Okay. Grasping at straws, but I, I we do, do on podcast. That is damn right. That's that's, I think it's right there in the uh, job description it's to grasp at straws for as long as you possibly can. Oh, but I do love this scene. It's very strange, and it you know I in the in the previous scene where Trotter gets the you know he speaks to the horse trainer and he gets the pass to the jockey club and he gets the tip on Faith Healer. I did not re- realize that the name was Faith Healer. It's not until this scene that that kind of digs because. In the previous scene, it's very quick when he says, yeah, you know, the reason I love this faith healer, I don't know that I necessarily, oh, that's the name of a horse. I don't think that really clicked with me. But here it's like, why do you like this faith healer? It's like, oh, okay, that's, so that's the one bit of information I could tell you that I, I grasped from this. That's something that's actual, like everything else is just us guessing and, and I don't know. So there you go. That's I mean, it could be. It, it's it is a way to hammer home the the name of the horse a little bit, a little bit heavier. That's true. And you're you're thinking about it a little bit more now that we've said it four or five times in the scene. Why you like Faith Healer from nowhere, and then why you like Faith Healer again? I mean, Faith Healer does sort of sound like a spiritual compulsion type name, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. There's something about that name. Hot to trot does not conjure up chimes in your head neither does charity neither does fleet dreams but but i just i just think of bobcat goldthwaite (laughs) dude (laughs) oh yes when this podcast is finished that's that's what i'm doing next i'm already told you what's happening that's right that's right (laughs) (laughs) i already got dabney coleman on speed dial for this don't worry he's first rate all right so i don't this scene is so so quick. I, are we done? Is there anything else that, that we should know about this scene? Does the screenplay tell us anything different about this scene? Not that's all that interesting. The only thing I was I, I pulled out of it was that the knock yourself out. Yeah. Knock yourself out pal wasn't in here. Oh wait, is is that a Dreyfus ad lib? Perhaps. Oh I mean, there may have been some unsaid things, or it's you know, Dreyfus like- adding to the scene. The way he delivers the line feels like sort of an aside. I don't know if I was like trying to hear that because I knew it wasn't in the scripted dialogue or not. I like I can that. Also though. go back to my little beginning examination where the why you like faith healer comes from nowhere is not in the scene as written in the script oh so it's it, that's also not there it's also not there so theory c subset b could be that it was just a <laughs> weird thing that happened on set like somebody said it as like a line like h- how <laughs> maybe it was just a weird take and like you know what this place <laughs> in the spiritual realms, this weird voice from somewhere else huh. really works. That it's not in the screenplay was another extra level of what's what really happened here. What was this a, something that happened on set that like, yes, that's that's perfect. Like, why not run with that? Or if there's some other method to this madness. I do like the idea that the line is a Dreyfus ad lib and the other line 
That's just a cure. More. See, you know what? It just adds to the mystery. That's all it does. <laughs> it adds to the mystery. Where's the voice coming from? What's actually happening in this scene? This is Why the is she longest named... conversation about this moment. <laughs> oh Sometimes you say that as like hyperbole on something, <laughs> on a podcast idea or a conversation like this. But I really feel like we've done it here. Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, but also to add into the list of questions is uh, how did you get the name Quinella Hogan? Right. I want everybody that's listening to this to that's go to this scene. Mm-hmm. And really pay attention to the start. To that, and so, right, so when he's first walking into the when frame. When he's first walking into the frame, it's the okay. first five, six seconds. When he's first walking into this frame, there's that voice that seems to come from nowhere. And Trotter turns and is like, what is it? Who, are you talking to me? Okay. I. You know what? I think I need to see that myself, actually. I want, I, mm-hmm. I mean, the seven or eight people that hear this, I That's want... Cool. That's accurate, oh, by the way. Is it? <laughs> One of them is me. I want everyone to come up with a theory explaining that moment. Okay. All right. I mean, you could come up with a theory that explains the rest of this scene as well, if you're really, if you're really up to it. It pales in comparison to the first five seconds. The, the, it's, it's all about the first five seconds. Damn it. That's exactly what I've been saying this entire episode. I want Joe Pitka. On this podcast, yeah, explaining the first five seconds. I don't. Got, you can just have him come back and redo this scene mm-hmm. for all I care. But I wanted to explain this. Yeah, I've got it written actually. Okay. Uh, or Mary Warnoff. <laughs> do you? Think she might Mary, be down for that conversation. Do you? I was going to say. Do you think she remembers doing this movie? Oh, that that day I was in Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. She was over her methamphetamine addiction by then. I, I know, but it's just that it's so quick that you're there. You know, she's in. I, I can't imagine. She, she probably had to hang. See, that's the thing. Her one day to, of shooting. She had to hang around, though, for when he's running through the track, right? Because he says something like, I don't know, like, where are you going or whatever. So that, I mean, if she's going to hang around just to do that extra one line, I, I think maybe somewhere along the way she was supposed to pop up again somewhere else it feels like a character that's supposed to like you said it's supposed to show up again or have a greater role like another scene with her would have Mm -hmm. made the thing play a little bit more straight is she one of the characters at the end of the movie who we cut to who's rooting for him as we're waiting for that last photo finish you know what i'm i'm not sure She's. I think she's watching. I think they show a clip of her watching. I'm not okay. Sh- yeah, I'm. Mm, I th- I think she's watching the monitor, but because everybody, like everyone from everyone the- shows up, but right? She's everyone got is no that way moment. to know at the burger stand, <laughs> and having her cheer would be a little bit out of character. Like she's got no enthusiasm for anyone, as far as I can tell. Well, but everyone is rooting for him at the end. His story has has captivated the entirety of Hylia Park, right? They're all rooting for him, even though plenty of them are very apathetic regarding Trotter, to say the least, certainly at this point in the movie. I mean, she's trying to overcharge him for a burger, and then she also throws in the line of, I've seen guys dumber than you win two in a row. You know, she's definitely, like, she kind of has that attitude. But a lot, I think, feel like... You know, he kind of gets that a lot. I mean, look at the ticket seller. 
Ticket seller can't stand him and then is in love with him. So I, I think that's yeah. kind of going through with everyone. Tell us kids about him. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. Thank you to my guest, James David Patrick. Look for James's podcast, Cinema Shame, wherever you got this podcast from. And yes, there will be a link to it in the show notes. That's the description of the show. It's right there. Just look for it. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound, and our cover art is by Sean Labrie. Now, if you happen to really like this episode and you're really enjoying this series because you're a huge Let It Ride fan, then you can help out the show by buying me a coffee. Yep, it's absolutely true. And I will probably take the money and and maybe literally buy a coffee with it. There's a link in the show notes on how to do it. Now, if you cannot spare the coffee money for your pal Dan because, because, hey, you're heading out to the High Life Fronton this weekend... I understand. You can still support the show by leaving a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you may be listening to this. If you wanted to contact me, if you want to contact me, you can. You can send me an email. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I am constantly on Twitter. It is at underscore dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, I'm on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only listen to podcasts, to interact with podcast hosts like me. Find it in your app store and then come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for the Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes you could be walking around lucky and not even know it.